Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for standing by and welcome to MOGO Incorporated Q4 2020 financial results. At this time, all participants' line are in a listen-only mode. After the speaker's presentation, there will be a question and answer session. To ask a question during the session, you will need to press star 1 on your telephone. If you require any further assistance, please press star 0. Please be advised that today's conference is being recorded. I would now like to hand the call over to your speaker today, Mr. Craig Armitage. You may begin. Thank you, Operator, and good afternoon, everyone. Um, thanks for joining us today. Uh, just a quick, couple quick notes before we get going. Uh, first, uh, just highlight that today's call will contain forward-looking statements that are based on current assumptions and subject to risks and uncertainties that could cause actual results to differ materially from those projected. The company undertakes no obligation to update these statements, except as required by law. Information about these risks and uncertainties are included in our Q4 and year-end filings, as well as periodic filings with regulators in Canada and the U.S., which you can find on CDAR and on our website. Uh, second, today's discussion will include adjusted financial measures, which are non-IFRS measures. These should be considered as a supplement to and not as a substitute for the IRFRS uh, financial measures. Uh, I would also highlight that today's amounts um, are discussed in Canadian dollars, um, unless otherwise indicated. Uh, lastly, we do have presentation slides to accompany today's call. You should be able to find those uh, through the webcast link. Uh, link. Uh, you can also find those under the Investor Relations uh, section of the MOGO website. Uh, with that, I'll turn the call over to Dave uh, Feller to get us started. Dave? Thanks, Greg. Good afternoon. Welcome to MOGO's fourth quarter 2020 results call. I'm joined today by Greg Feller, our president and CFO. It's an exciting day for us here at MOGO, and we're looking forward to walking you through all the things we've been working on, and most importantly, what, where we're going. Over the last year, we've taken several strategic and financial steps that have fundamentally transformed our business. Our financial results for 2020, which Greg will discuss later, reflect the success of our efforts to quickly adapt to an uncertain environment and underscore the fundamental health, resilience, and profitability of our business. In addition to a significant investment in the development of our own platform, we've accelerated our strategy with two acquisitions and a strategic investment, all of which we will review today. The net effect is we are in an even stronger position to take advantage of the accelerating adoption of digital wallets and financial health solutions. We thought it would be helpful to start today with the popular Kathy Wood presentation that came out earlier this year and highlights the massive growth opportunity with digital wallets. We were obviously pleased to be featured in the report, but most importantly, this report highlights the opportunity we've been focused on for building out our multi-product app. The report highlights that these digital wallets are focused on low-cost customer acquisition, building trust, and then converting into other products so you continue to gain wallet share. ARC says digital wallets are valued between $250 and $1,900 per user today, but could scale to $20,000. The key is having the right products and experience that builds trust and drives conversion and adoption of other products. We think the key to becoming one of the main winners in the digital wallet space is how well you solve the problem of financial health. The wealth gap is real and is one of the biggest problems we face today. Although everyone has a bank account, the majority of people aren't close to being where they want to or need to be when it comes to their finances, and financial stress remains the number one stressor across all demographics. In fact, if you follow the traditional path that most people follow today, you'll find yourself with credit card debt, overspending, lack of saving and investing, and financial stress. A new survey out today highlights how pervasive the problem is, with 54% of Canadians saying they don't have a financial plan. The fact is, most people really don't know what to do to build wealth and get in control of their finances, and for many that do finally figure it out, 
they've already missed valuable years of wealth building, which have become very hard to make up. Our mission is to help people become financially healthy, and we believe the key to achieving this is to not only have the right products, but even more importantly, an experience that gamifies building wealth. We are focused on building an experience that not only helps people get on top of their finances, but helps them get on track to building real wealth, and for most people, that should mean being on track to becoming a millionaire. We want to make building wealth one of the most compelling games you'll ever play. The highest form of motivation is doing something because it's fun, not because you have to, and that's a key driver of our roadmap i.e. building a gamified experience with products to make it easier to practice the right financial behaviors in order to build wealth. So although you are hearing terms like super app, which generally refers to a, having a whole bunch of products in one app, we think the most important driver is going to be the experience you create around these products and how that experience actually helps the user improve their financial results. The bigger the impact you can make on someone's finances, the more you will win. The good news, this is a game that everyone can win. The basis of our solution comes down to the fact that almost anyone can become a millionaire if they get on the right track with the right solutions early on. The numbers don't lie. Even at a $40,000 annual income, which is far below the average income of Canadians, if you follow the popular 50-30-20 budgeting model based on your after-tax income, where 50% goes to needs like food and shelter, 30% to wants like entertainment, travel, and clothing, and then invested 20% in equities based on historical returns, you would be able to retire by the age of 65 with $5.5 million. And if you kept that going for another 15 years, you would get to a staggering $23 million. Now, even if you only managed to save and invest half that amount, you'd still get to almost $3 million by age 65 and over $10 million by age 80. And as we move into the future, working later in life will become increasingly common. Now, this assumes that someone never gets a raise and their income stays at this 40000 level, which obviously wouldn't be the case for most people. The bottom line is, even on a below-average income, you could become a multi-millionaire with the right habits, discipline, and plan. Now, when most people see these numbers, they're typically shocked, as they thought the only way they could ever become a multi-millionaire was if they made a lot of money or perhaps won the lotto. We believe that when it comes to your finances and building wealth, controlling your spending is by far one of the most important and challenging parts of your money game, as this is what determines whether or not to, you stay out of debt and whether you have money available each month to save and invest, which is really how you build wealth. As you saw on the previous page, you actually don't need to make a lot of money to become wealthy. We've all heard of people making millions who have gone bankrupt. How you manage your spending is critical, which is why we put so much work into making the mobile card a great tool. Again, it all starts with your spending. And based on the 50-30-20 budgeting model, someone making 40000 a year might have around 1000 a month available for paying rent and after paying rent and utilities and if they want to hit their 20% investing goal, which means you need to budget your spending. That's why avoiding credit cards are critical, as it's so easy to overspend and not only not have any money to save and invest, but end up with credit card debt like a large percentage of Canadians today. Like a debit card, this is your own money. There's no credit and no overdraft available, and it's designed to help you keep up to date on all your spending and how much you have left, so you have a better chance of sticking to it. Our goal is to make this most compelling card in your wallet and the easiest way to stick to a budget. One of the cool features of the card is our new Bitcoin cashback program. The Mogo card is the first card in Canada to offer the ability for someone to earn Bitcoin with every purchase and help them get into the habit of saving and investing while they're spending. Perhaps most importantly, it lets anyone participate in Bitcoin for free without risking any of their own money. If there was a 10% cashback card, how many people would switch to it? Well, if you were earning 1% Bitcoin cashback five years ago, the value of the Bitcoin would be worth over 100 times that, which means it would have been equivalent to 100% cashback. And in the last 12 months alone, it will be worth over 7%. 
Today, there's no card in Canada that comes close to this. And instead of accumulating air miles, you're accumulating an exciting and speculative asset class that can be converted to cash with one click and without having to risk any of your own money. Although it's still early days in terms of our Bitcoin cashback experience, we're already seeing some very positive trends for members who have it activated. These users are spending, on average, over three times more than a non-Bitcoin cashback user. In order for members to activate Bitcoin cashback today, they must refer at least one friend. This is also helping to drive increased sharing. Again, this is all about gamifying the experience, so you can actually make sticking to a budget and moving away from credit cards an exciting and compelling experience and get our members to make this their primary spending card in their wallet. Many experts say that the two biggest opportunities for businesses to solve over the next decade is the wealth gap and climate change, and we believe they're linked. The mogul card is also the first card in Canada that also helps you offset your carbon footprint while you spend. And given 72% of carbon comes from our own consumption, having a card that automatically offsets your CO2 as you spend is the easiest way someone can live a zero-carbon lifestyle. Again, this is all about gamifying the experience and make controlling spending and spending less money one of the most engaging and rewarding things you can do. I'm building wealth while doing my part to solve climate change. That's what the next generation of consumers expect, and that's what we are trying to deliver. Controlling this part of a customer's wallet is not only one of the most important parts of helping them achieve their financial goals, but it's also one of the most important drivers of engagement and trust building that helps drive the adoption of other products and greater share of wallet. Bitcoin is clearly one of the most compelling and exciting new technologies of our lifetime. Every day we see more people and companies looking to invest and get exposure to this new asset class. We were one of the first companies in Canada to offer Bitcoin and the first to offer it alongside a broader product offering. Our value proposition today is very simple and compelling. Unlike most other crypto offerings in Canada, we are actually the only one offering just Bitcoin and our members don't have to worry about taking custody of it. We continue to believe there's a large and growing segment of consumers who aren't crypto enthusiasts but are looking for a simple and trusted way to invest in this new asset class. We saw a significant growth last year in Bitcoin trading. Although coming off a low base, we saw just over 14 times growth in trading volume. This growth has also continued in Q1 with January and February up over 20 times versus the same period last year. But perhaps even more interesting is what we're seeing in terms of behavior of these users and their engagement. An active Bitcoin member is nine times more engaged than a non-Bitcoin member, and this translates into more conversion into our other products, as well as likelihood to refer others. We announced the launch of our Bitcoin Rewards program last year, and we're continuing to build out this experience. Obviously, rewards are a key part of gamification and can really help drive behavior. What's unique about this program is it gives all those who want to participate and get Bitcoin but aren't willing to risk their own money a way to do it. Not only are we adding Bitcoin rewards as incentives to try our products, but we're also building in hidden Easter eggs, another gamification technique where users find hidden rewards. This could be something like after 100 transactions on the Mogul card, a user gets a Bitcoin reward, or by practicing dollar cost averaging. We continue to be excited about the impact this reward program can have on our user behavior and really help improve engagement and ultimately help them get closer to their financial goals. Although many people are concerned about the volatility of Bitcoin, you can't deny how exciting it is. And in fact, it's one of the elements that makes it so exciting. And getting our members excited and even addicted to playing their wealth-building game is exactly what we're trying to do. The big news today is our announcement of the Mogo acquisition. And before I talk about how this will accelerate our growth strategy, let me first walk you through what makes Mocha a great finance app. Phil and his team have done a great job of building Mocha, and it is such a great fit in so many ways, not least of which is how similar our names are. 
Most importantly, they have been hyper-focused on helping Canadians improve their finances by making it easier than ever to not only save money, but invest it. Their core solution today is an automated saving and investing product that happens by rounding up purchases of members' linked cards or cards. By connecting to their bank account, Mocha enables them to link any credit or debit card so that every purchase they make is rounded up, and then at the end of the month, that money is debited from their bank account. Instead of just going into a savings account, it's invested. Unlike some of the bank roundup features, Mocha is agnostic and can be linked to as many cards as you want. And instead of putting it into a low interest rate savings account, the money is being invested. What's more is they enable their members to do this through a TFSA, RSP, or non-registered accounts. The average Mocha customer saves over $1,000 annually through this program. What's also impressive is they managed to do this through a successful subscription program where they now have over 100,000 active monthly paying subscribers. Members are also given the additional ability to either add or move to a set monthly investment amount, and today over 50% of their subscribers have both roundup and recurring deposits set up. So a member can begin their investing journey with simple roundups and then graduate to a higher and more automated monthly investing program, all for a low fee of $3 a month. In addition to this, Mocha has several other great features, including bill negotiation, where they help members lower their bills. The average savings on this program is over $200. Their debt management solution can help anyone who's struggling with debt get, um, help them pay it off on a program. Many people with debt struggle to come up with a plan to get out of debt, and this can be a great help and needed first step before you can begin building wealth. They also have a cashback rewards program and an on-demand financial coaching that's powered by certified financial planners. It's easy to see how Mocha is a perfect complement to Mogo and our solutions, and as every product and feature they have becomes complementary to ours and dramatically helps improve the impact we make on someone's finances. Again, we couldn't be more excited to welcome the Mocha team to Team Mogo. With the acquisition, we will greatly expand our product capabilities and total addressable market in the estimated $5 trillion wealth management industry. Globally, we are seeing a massive secular shift to digital wealth pl platforms. Mocha will enable us to fill our biggest product gap, Mogo Wealth. will give our members the ability to save and invest through TFSA, RSP, and non-registered accounts. Again, over 50% of Canadians don't have a financial plan, and a big part of that comes down to not knowing how to build wealth and what to invest in. What's more, 45% of Canadians 18 and over don't have a TFSA or RSP account, the two main accounts that Canadians need to be using to save, invest, and build wealth. Again, a massive opportunity. One of the unique things about Mocha is they also have a solution that doesn't require a large initial deposit to get started, unlike many of the solutions today in the market, and anyone can get started with as little as a dollar a month. As you can see, our goal is to build an experience that helps our members build long-term wealth and makes it easy for them to see how they're performing and, importantly, helps them keep their eye on the prize in terms of dollars they're on track for. Again, if someone is earning $40,000 a year, invested 20% of their after-tax earnings in the market based on a historical performance, they could easily become a millionaire. Having a solution and a holistic experience that enables us is a big gap in the market today, and we're excited to get this product to our members. We've always talked about our strategy of working alongside your bank account with the goal of one day enabling our members to make the full switch to Mogo. We're currently working on our new digital bank account that will enable our members to make this switch. This new digital account will function similarly to a checking account in that members can have their paycheck set up for automated deposit, have automated payments such as mortgage come out of this account, as well as enable P2P. Perhaps most importantly, this will enable us to launch features and benefits that are exclusively for direct deposit customers i.e. customers who make Mogo their primary banking relationship. These include launching things like early payday. Obviously, this has been very successful for companies in the U.S. as one of the key ways they've been able to capture a large share of the market and get consumers to move away from their traditional bank accounts. 
bringing these three accounts together, you can see how it will be set up so that it actually helps automate budgeting for our members. Your paycheck gets deposited, your spending budget goes into your spending account, and 20% gets automatically invested. Again, this is what people need to automate their money away that helps them stay out of debt and build wealth, everything that today's solutions don't deliver on. Obviously, most members won't start at this level, but our goal is to continue to nudge them to improve their spending and help them get closer to that 20% goal. We've long been planning to launch free stock trading, and we're also excited to announce that this acquisition will speed up our plans to do this. Along with bringing in crypto trading through our strategic partnership with CoinSquare, although we believe strongly in an automated wealth building program through low-cost ETFs, there's also a growing retail trend in stock trading and investing. Although there are many people who want a more passive investment approach, there's also a growing number of consumers that want to invest directly in stocks and cryptos, and in the long run, we think most will incorporate both into their investment strategy. Our goal is to also design this in a way that helps our members see how they are performing versus benchmark performance of the S&P 500. As an investor, I will want to know if my self-directed investment strategy is more effective than an, and, than an easier and more passive strategy versus kidding myself that I'm doing well. Again, another gap in today's market. Free trading is now the standard in the U.S., and so far in Canada, there's only one option for investors, and that option has a lot of room for improvement, and that's what we plan on doing. Our goal is to launch this before the end of this year. With that, I'll ask Greg to cover the transaction and financials in more detail. Greg? Thanks, Dave. As Dave mentioned, we have fundamentally transformed the business in recent quarters through two acquisitions and a strategic investment, all of which I will discuss in more detail. Specifically, these transactions expand our product capabilities, accelerate our roadmap, and give us additional scale that we believe positions us for accelerating subscription services revenue growth in 2021. As we look at the mobile platform, we will have four drivers of value going forward. One, our core B2C business, which, once closed with, now includes Mocha's savings and investing solution alongside of Mogo's existing digital wallet capabilities. Two, our B2B payment business, Encarta, which serves as an attractive and growing international market that is shifting from legacy processors to API-based next-gen processors like Carta. Three, our now strategic investment in CoinSquare, which we believe has tremendous value and upside. And four, a diverse portfolio of minority investments in mostly private technology companies, which post-year-end now include investment in Bitcoin. We believe this combination of assets makes Mogo a strategic and valuable company in the fintech sector and a unique way for investors to gain exposure to some of the most disruptive trends in the market today. Earlier today, we entered uh, into a binding LOI to acquire Mocha. In addition to the significant benefits in terms of expanded product offerings and massive wealth management market, the proposed acquisition also includes Mocha's more than 500,000 members and over 100,000 monthly subscribers, the acquisition will therefore significantly expand our current member base to approximately 1.7 million. The acquisition also brings approximately 250 million of assets under management along with registered portfolio management capabilities throughout Canada and Europe. As Dave mentioned, it gives us a much broader range of savings and investing products along with Mocha's technology platform, experienced fintech team. Most significantly, it will accelerate Mocha's plan to launch a free stock trading solution for Canadians. The transaction also accelerates the growth of our subscription and transaction-based revenue. And lastly, it will allow us to expand geographically into large attractive Quebec markets. As mentioned in the press release, the transaction is going to be completed by an all-stock transaction for approximately 5 million shares. During the current quarter, we closed on our previously announced acquisition of Carta, adding significant digital payments capabilities to our platform, 
along with a growing next-gen B2B global payments business. Carta's next-gen issuing platform is the engine behind innovative fintech companies and products around the globe, powering over 100 power programs, providing vital processing technology to industry leaders, including TransferWise, Sodexo, Payfair, and others. Carta, which is headquartered in Toronto, processed over $5 billion worth of transactions on its platform in 2020, which was up 35% from 2019. In addition, Carta brings significant benefits to Mogul, including a significantly expanded TAM to an app thrilling global payments market, strengthening our digital wallet capabilities with deep payment expertise, which we're leveraging in the development of our upcoming peer-to-peer payment solution, increasing Mogul's revenue scale and accelerating the growth of our high margin subscription and transaction-based revenue. Carta has been making good progress on its growth plans. Last month, uh, they announced the expansion into Japan to support TransferWise launch their multi-currency debit card. They also recently announced expansion to the U.S., the world's largest payment market. Carta will be providing products for the initial group of clients and expects to further expand its base of banks and fintech companies in the coming quarters. Another significant and highly strategic transaction that we announced post-year-end was the agreement to acquire an interest in Canada's leading cryptocurrency platform, CoinSquare. Launched in 2014, CoinSquare has grown to become the leading digital asset trading platform in Canada, with monthly trading volume in excess of $600 million and the assets under management over $600 million. CoinSquare's current revenue run rate is also substantial at approximately $50 million, which would be an almost fourfold increase from t- full-year 2020 results. We've had a relationship with CoinSquare for nearly three years, as they currently power a Bitcoin account. We believe their platform is one of the most robust trading platforms in Canada for digital assets, and as a result, we believe they're well-positioned to capitalize on growth of this sector going forward. The first stage of this transaction will have us acquiring 19.9% of CoinSquare by the issuance of approximately 2.8 million shares and 27 million of cash. We expect to close the, this initial investment next month. CoinSquare agreement also includes an option for Mogo to acquire additional shares that would take our ownership in the company to approximately 43% which underscores our view that CoinSquare is a highly strategic and valuable asset for Mogo, as we believe cryptocurrency is and will continue to be a core part of any leading next-gen digital wallet. In addition to giving Mogo investors a significant stake in what we believe is a highly strategic and valuable platform in the Canadian fintech ecosystem, the CoinSquare investment provides significant leverage to one of the most exciting and fastest-growing sectors in fintech. We also see significant opportunities to work together more closely with them by bringing together Mogul's leading digital wallet capabilities and CoinSquare's leading digital crypto trading platform in Canada. The last value driver for Mogul is a growing investment portfolio, which now includes Bitcoin alongside a portfolio of just under a dozen minority investments in private companies in the technology, medtech, media, and e-gaming space. The investments, which were acquired from our acquisition of different capital in 2019, have a current book value of $17 million excluding the card stake, which was previously part of this portfolio at year end. We believe that a number of these investments could see monetization events in 2021 and some that potentially meaningful premiums to our current book value. In addition to this portfolio, which we are focused on monetizing, we also now hold about 17.8 Bitcoins, which we purchased earlier this year at an average price of approximately $33,000 US per coin. The investment was part of our announced plans to make an initial corporate investment of up to $1.5 million of Bitcoin, representing approximately 1.5% of our total assets at the time. The investment in Bitcoin is consistent with our belief in Bitcoin as an emerging asset class and builds on our significant product development-related investments in Bitcoin over the last several years, including Mogo Crypto and the Bitcoin Rewards Program. Now let me turn to Q4 and the full-year financial results. 
I will be brief given the full year results were available since this morning. For anyone who's new to MOBO, preface this that our year-end numbers reflect an expected decrease in loan origination, interest revenue, and other related revenue streams as we sold a portion of our loan portfolio in early 2020 and intentionally reduced lending activity in light of COVID and our goal to reduce on-balance sheet credit risk. These factors were partially offset by growth in subscription and services revenue, which accelerated at the end of the year, driven mostly by Mogul Crypto, Mogul Card. Also, they were offset by lower operating and interest expenses from improvements to our capital structure. Importantly, our Q4 results showed accelerating subscription and services revenue, specifically subscription service revenue is 4.6 million in the quarter, up 8.4% sequentially from Q3. Q4 2020 revenue was 10 million compared to 9.8 in Q3, driven by subscription services revenue, again, offsetting decline in interest revenue. <clears throat> the underlying profitability of our business was again clearly highlighted in the quarter in the full year. Gross profit margin of 80% of the year, up from 68% in 2019, and 2020 adjusted EBITDA increased by 61% to 11.6 million from 7.2 million. The profitability gives us increased confidence in resuming growth-related investments, in particular in product development and marketing, as we look to take advantage of the accelerating shift to digital banking and Movo's unique position in the Canadian market. Turning to our balance sheet, we've also significantly improved our balance sheet and financial position through a series of important steps over the past 12 months. Specifically in 2020, we filled our loan book, reduced uh, our liquid loan book, reducing our credit exposure by approximately $32 million and reducing our credit facilities outstanding to $37 million from $77 million at year-end in 2019. We also extended our remaining credit facility and reduced the rate by approximately 400 basis points, and we reduced the interest rate on our debentures from 14% to 7%. Lastly, post our year-end, we added a significant amount of growth capital to our balance sheet, raising a total net of expenses of $81.6 million. Individually, these are all meaningful steps. Together, they allow us to move forward in a much stronger financial position and put us in an excellent position to capitalize on the growth opportunities we see going forward. MOGA's model, as you know, starts with a low-cost member acquisition strategy. Our new member growth accelerated for the second quarter in a row in Q4. Net member additions increased 51% in Q4 relative to additions in Q3, and total members exceeded 1.1 million members at year-end, an increase of approximately 15% year uh, over 2019. This speaks to the appeal of our products, including Bitcoin, Fair ID fraud protection, and our mobile card, as well as the value of having them all integrated into a seamless, easy-to-use digital account that helps man members manage their financial lives. We believe the current product trends we are seeing put us in a good position for continued strong member growth and engagement in 2021. As we have discussed in the past, we believe we have one of the best monetization models of any consumer fintech globally. We currently have seven distinct ways to monetize a member base, and with the addition of MoCo, we will add NAIDS. In addition to member monetization revenue through Carta, we also have a diversified or revenue stream to include payment processing fees, which we will begin to recognize in the first quarter. As we look ahead to 2021, we are turning our attention to increased engagement and monetization to support accelerating revenue growth. Specifically, the current trends we are seeing, along with our recently announced strategic transactions, have given us increased confidence in our revenue outlook, so we're providing some specific guidance for 2021. This guidance currently excludes the impact of MOCA. Specifically, we're guiding towards continued increase in net member additions during the year, accelerated growth in subscription services revenue, 
and we are targeting 80 to 100% year-over-year growth in subscription services revenue in Q4 2021 as compared to the same period in 2020. With that, we will open the call up to questions. As a reminder to ask a question, you will need to press star 1 on your telephone. To withdraw a question, press the pound key. Please stand by while we compile the Q&A roster. Your first question is from Doug Taylor of Concord Genuity. Your line is open. Yeah, thank you. Uh, good evening. Um, the guidance you provided for the 80 to 100% growth Q4 to Q4 in terms of uh, subscription and services revenue, I wonder if you could just kind of help us think about how we should you know, chart that over the course of the year in light of the, you know... The Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. The M&A that has happened and also with, you know, your, your, your product roadmap and your new, new products being released over the course of the year. Uh, sure, Doug. It's, uh, it's Greg. Um, so, yeah, so um, we, we do really sort of see the trend from a subscription and services uh, perspective acceler growth uh, accelerating during the year. Um, so, uh, effectively accelerating growth uh, going into Q4. Uh, so, obviously, that means that, um, um, you know, we, we, we expect that the, the impact to be bigger in Q2 than it was in Q1, et cetera. Um, also, from an M&A perspective, uh, CARTA, you know, we're only going to be partially consolidating the results in Q1. Uh, we'll have full consolidation in Q2. Um, MOCA, uh, which right now is, is not part of that guidance, um, you know, we, we may see some revenue impact in Q2, depending on uh, when we close the transaction. Uh, but uh, we, we do believe that ultimately MOCA will be um, uh, consolidated uh, for, for the full quarter uh, by Q3. Um, so, so that's obviously going to drive, you know, further acceleration in, in overall subscription services revenue during the year. And so, so all, none of that seems to be tied to any, you know, uh, material jump from any particular product launch or upcoming new feature that you're releasing. Uh, is that correct? You expect the, the organic business to be relatively smooth in terms of the growth over the course of the year? Um, yes. Uh, well, I, actually, I would say there's a, there is acceleration we see in the organic business as well. Um, some of the trends that Dave actually spoke to um, are, are, are you know, we're early days in a lot of these products in terms of revenue scale, but the momentum we're seeing, we think, uh, is going to make a bigger impact on our overall revenue growth um, as the quarters go on and that revenue has more scale. So we actually do expect similar kind of accelerating trends on an organic level as well. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, you signaled, I believe, with your prepared remarks there that, you know, you'd like to uh, reinvest a little more significantly in the in the product and the marketing, uh, and you know, certainly it looks like the the market's giving you the license to do that. But 
I wonder if you can help us think about, you know, how, you know, your updated, I guess, view on, you know, what the right level of investment is so that we can tune our models to that. Um, yeah, so so we're we haven't given specific guidance on on EBITDA, but um, but your your takeaway um, I would say is accurate. Uh, that our strong bias, if we kind of you know uh, look at 2020, uh, what did we do? One of the key things that we believe we accomplished uh, was really highlighting the underlying profitability of the model when we dialed back growth spend. Um, and, you know, where we generated close to 50% EBITDA margins in the second and third quarter. Um, and, um, uh, and we also highlighted our ability to very quickly uh, dial those uh, growth investments down, uh, in particular on the marketing side and some of the product development side. Um, but now with the, with the position that we're in, in terms of the early trends that we're seeing in our products, um, the excitement we have on new products, investment uh, um, and the upcoming um, uh, um, transaction with, uh, with MOCA, uh, as well as uh, expansion of CARTA into new markets in the U.S. Um, you know, we are, and the, the significant amount of capital that we put on our balance sheet, uh, we feel that we're in a very good position to dial up that growth investment, which means you're really going to see that growth investment um, show up in uh, technology and development spend. Um, as well as uh, as well on the uh, the marketing side, um, you know, you saw some of that show up um, in uh, in the current quarter sequentially over Q3. Uh, but you know, I would say you can expect some similar trends uh, going into 2021. Um, so you know, we're 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 going to be less focused on on the EBITDA line in 2021. As we we believe ultimately. That this entire sector is is accelerating, um, and over the next 24 months, we believe, um, you know, the the leaders are are going to be established, and we believe we're in a very uh, key position in the Canadian market to remain um, uh, one of the the key leaders here. And we want to take advantage of that. We want to take advantage of our financial strength and our product strength. So our bias is definitely to invest in growth. Um, and, um, and, and we believe that that's going to be the right ROI decision for, for the company and for our investors. Okay, perhaps one last question for me, um, and maybe it's too early for you to say, but can you talk a little bit about what, once this, the MOCA transaction is closed, what the, you know, the integration roadmap or milestones we should be thinking about? And, you know, is it your intention to run, you know, that product and that brand or consolidate into the Mogo brand. Or, I mean, anything like that, I think, might be helpful, and uh, so that we can envision yeah. what that's going to look like. Yeah, I'll, I'll I'll let Dave comment a little bit on it. But as you say, it is early. Uh, we just announced transaction, and obviously, as we get uh, closer to close, we will come out with uh, you know more specific information on our, on our plans. Um, um, so we're not going to get into sort of. This, you know, real specifics, but I don't know, Dave, if there's anything um, on, on any of those topics that you think are, are worthwhile touching on right now. Sure. Yeah, I think um, initially we think uh, at the very least, you know, rebranding Mocha to Mogo, and and then the Mocha app becomes effectively the Mogo saving investing app, and that effectively could be just the initial way that we launch MoGo saving and investing for our members, and then obviously start promoting that to our member base. Obviously, we're seeing 
similar strategies with other companies. Wellsimple obviously now has three different apps. Um, so there is a, a multi-app strategy there that actually has some benefits. So the initial goal is to, you know, um, integrate that way and then make it easier for both Mocha members and Mogo members to, to go between the apps. Uh, but then as, as we kind of visualize through the presentation, our goal is obviously to bring that into the Mogo app as well. Um, and then as we look at the, uh, the stock trading and crypto, um, there, there's a, a, you know, a good chance that we decide the best way to launch that um, for, for a bunch of reasons is a, a separate app, still under the Mogo brand. Right? Um, so those are still things that we're thinking through, but I, I would say that's kind of where, where we are right now. Okay. Well, we'll look forward to hearing more as you approach closing. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks. Your next question is from Scott Buck of HC Wainwright. Your line is open. Hi. Good afternoon, guys. Uh, I'm hoping maybe you can give a little bit of color on the uh, preference for acquisitions rather than partnerships. And should we expect to see additional acquisitions as you continue to build out uh, the Mogo Wealth Vertical? Um, yeah, so, uh, so, so it, let me comment on that. So I, I guess here's how we look at, at acquisitions right now. Um, we look at acquisitions as a way to accelerate our product roadmap um, and bring, you know, key expertise um, and scale uh, to the business. And if we do find opportunities that, you know, I mean, Mocha just being a great example where for us to have built their functionality um, uh, and, and be on a path to even launch free stock trading, we'd probably be 12 months from now, given our own roadmap before we could even start on that. Uh, and, and, and then you have to bring, you know, the capabilities uh, and expertise that they bring on the team from a wealth management perspective. You're talking about a regulated industry. Um, and so there's a whole bunch of benefits uh, on, on an acquisition there as far as um, accelerating your product roadmap um, and, and aligning and bringing the expertise in-house. So, you know, that's just a, a natural. And if, if there are other opportunities which we think complement our roadmap and accelerate it uh, from an M&A perspective, you know, then we will absolutely look at that. Um, so I, I, I do think, um, you know, our, our strategy going forward will be a combination of, um, you know, our, our own product development uh, initiatives but complemented um, with strategic acquisitions that we think accelerate that, um, bring scale and, and, and expertise um, and other capabilities that uh, we think are, are, are value add. So I think it is going to continue to be a combination of those two things. Great. That's, uh, that, that's very helpful. Uh, second one for me, I'm curious, the uh, organic member growth in the fourth quarter and, and thus far in the first quarter, how much of that do you attribute to the kind of frenzy around Bitcoin and, and crypto? And maybe if you have it, you know, of the new account or new members that you've added, how many also have opened uh, Bitcoin accounts with you guys? Um, well, maybe Dave, if you want to, I mean, you know, it's always difficult to actually be very specific on, on where the member growth is coming from because, um, when, when customers come in, they actually onboard into the account, which has multiple products. So it's, it's difficult to say uh, exactly all the time what they're, what, you know, what really is the driver 
Um, but I would say for sure uh, Bitcoin is probably one of the biggest drivers and, and accelerators of member growth. Um, you know, if you look at it and you think about the, the broader, you know, what's happening in the landscape, effectively Bitcoin as an emerging asset class, cryptocurrency um, as an emerging, you know, technology and, and currency um, uh, is, is obviously gaining increased uh, attention with consumers um, and awareness, uh, and we believe that that trend is going to continue. And the majority of tra- traditional players don't offer access to that product. So, um, you know, if you think about the you know first wave of adoption of cryptocurrency, it was the early adopters that went online, you know, found crypto exchanges that people hadn't heard of in the past, jumped through hoops, paid high fees um, at, to be able to trade crypto. But increasingly, we believe a, a big part of the next wave are going to be, the, you know, the everyday consumer that actually just wants to get access to maybe Bitcoin, start to test, test it out and have exposure. Uh, and they're not going to be willing to jump through hoops, pay high fees. Um, and they're going to want to go to players that have a brand, have credibility, um, great user experience. And that's really what we're positioning MoGo for on the crypto side. So that clearly has been a trend, and we think it's a trend that's going to, you know, continue for, you know, for the foreseeable future. Obviously, the the sector is volatile, and and you see uh, volatility in prices, not necessarily um, price levels, but volatility in prices driving, uh, you know, driving that interest as well. And so that will continue. But I'd say overall, the trend is continue to be positive. And then, you know, our card, our card, I, I would say, is is right behind there as far as increasing um, uh, attention and awareness um, and interest from consumers. And obviously there is a link even to the card to Bitcoin um, with, with the cash back. So I'd say those are the, the, you know, the two big drivers we're seeing. Maybe Greg, I'll just add, add to that. Uh, the link part of this obviously is, you know, the strategy of having these multiple products when uh, certain things are, are more, uh, relevant than others, we can leverage that. One of the things we're seeing with our Bitcoin members, for example, is an active Bitcoin member is eight times more likely to use the MoGo card than a non-active Bitcoin member. So there's there's a, a strong correlation between uh, Bitcoin member act, activity and conversion into other products. And obviously, things like the Bitcoin cashback um, obviously has uh, is is what links it. But increasingly, so is our reward program. Um, we've also um, are have, have often offer where we're offering uh, Bitcoin cash back um, on mortgage as well. So as an example, a, a Bitcoin active member is two times more likely to apply for a mortgage. Um, they're also eight times more likely to refer a friend. So you know even obviously on the referral and kind of that viral coefficient um, in terms of not only driving engagement but actually cross-selling into other products uh, as well as kind of helping spread the word. The other thing I'd mention is we're also tracking, you know, what we call kind of mega users. And, you know, one of the things we're we're always focused on is the more engagement you have, there's obviously a strong correlation between engagement and um, product adoption. Obviously, the more somebody's logging into your app, the more likely they are to build trust and credibility and ultimately bump into other other products. Um, You know, so we right now have a few segments. Uh, We have a segment of users that um, have logged in on average um, over, in fact, one segment have logged in on average over 182 times so far this month alone. So, and what we're seeing in there is a very high percentage of them have multiple products. 
So these are the things, some of the trends we're looking at and obviously trying to, you know, determine kind of what that winning formula is. But clearly what seems to accelerate it is the combination of the product offering versus just one product. Great. Thank you, guys. That's, uh, that's very helpful. I appreciate the time today. Thank you. Your next question is from Bill Chang of Raymond James. Your line is open. Hey guys, uh, two questions on the coin square. Is the 600 million AUM is that is that as of March? And and the second question, if if we're using a one percent spread on that, um, based on my calculation, that comes out to 72 million. Um, so could you just uh, reconcile that with the 50 million you have on the presentation slide? Um, yeah. So uh, so obviously we're 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 not you know giving we have a, a minority stake in uh, in CoinSquare, so we're not disclosing full full financials and information on CoinSquare. But 600 million AUM is a current number, um, uh, so that's that's the the 600 million AUM number. Um, and um, uh, you know the, the the revenue component is a combination of fees and spread. Um, and, and, you know, we're, what we're saying is, uh, is that they're, they're at a, at a run rate right now, north of 50 without giving, you know, you know, too specific, uh, but that, that overall spread can, uh, can vary month to month as well. Okay. That makes sense. And so that, that, um, subscription and service, uh, sequential growth, what's, what's the driver there? Subscription and services, sequential growth. Yeah, the, the biggest driver there um, uh, is um, well, the the let's put it this way: the fastest growing product there uh, and revenue by far is Bitcoin trading. Um, uh, so that is a uh, is a is a big part of it, um, and um, probably the second uh, fastest uh, uh, revenue growth sequentially in subscription services would be uh, would be card transaction. Uh, uh, um, fees. Okay, great. That's good. And final one for me. Uh, can you give an update on the P2P timeline and also when we can expect the revenues to become more meaningful on the Bitcoin side? So Dave, you want to talk about the P2P timing? Uh, yeah. So one of the things that, that I highlighted in the presentation today is um, this new digital bank account, and um, that actually is related to our P2P roadmap. Um, we've always, the goal has always been, again, to essentially, you know, one day enable the full switch. Today, all of our members have bank accounts. Our goal has not been to essentially, you know, enable somebody to make the full switch. So primarily people have a bank account, and then they're using the Mogo app for various things. Uh, the digital bank account is actually one of the first pieces on the roadmap to P2P. What that's also going to do is enable a more convenient and, and frictionless way for people to get money in and out of their Mogo account. And from that one experience, they can either put money into Bitcoin, put money into, in the case of obviously once we get wealth, wealth, as well as the spending card, all through one account and one experience. So versus different ways to load money in Bitcoin and different ways to load money into card. So there's a bunch of other enhancements that are going to go along with that. And then uh, the other piece to that is, is P2P, right? And that ability will now enable somebody to effectively do a person-to-person -person transfer 
um, and they can either take the funds out of their cash account, which is the new digital bank account, or they can choose to take it out of their spending account if they're using the card. Um, we expect that P2P in this account is going to launch in the second half of this year. Um, so we still plan before the end of the year for, to have that one account along with P2P uh, launched here in Canada. And, and to your last question on, on Bitcoin um, revenue, um, you know, we're, as we, we talked about earlier, the sequential accelerating subscription services revenue growth in 2021 um, and the, the, the pretty meaningful 80 to 100% range of, of your, your growth that we're, we're guiding for in Q4. Um, and that's going to be a combination of, at, at that stage, we would expect the, the, the crypto revenue to be a meaningful component of it. But just one piece, um, you know, the bottom line is our model is, is not, you know, reliant on one stream of revenue. Um, and, um, you know, we, we actually believe that really are, are you know, are a pretty unique differentiating feature that MoGo has relative to, you know, most of the consumer fintechs and the digital wallets out there with, with few exceptions is the diversity of our revenue streams and monetization um, streams. Uh, and we think that's going to be a, a, a pretty critical differentiator uh, and value driver going forward. Okay, great. That's, uh, that's all for me. Thanks. Your next question is from Stan Sukumar of 8 Capital. Your line is open. Good evening, gents, and uh, congrats on the Mocha acquisition. Um, maybe I'll lead with a question there first. Um, so with Mocha, you guys are acquiring a, a fairly significant user base. Um, could you guys provide some color on kind of, you know, what does the profile of a typical Mocha user look like compared to a typical Mogul user, um, you know, considering things like d demographic, engagement levels? Kind of just wondering what some of the similarities and differences are and, and, how, and how you guys are thinking about um, kind of leveraging the space longer term, given your you know expanding uh, scope of offerings. So it, it's Dave. Uh, a couple of things on this. Obviously, we're we're still you know um, spending a lot of time understanding the Mocha business model, demographics, all all of that data. But you know, initially, what I'll say is obviously their value prop has been completely different than ours in terms of they're really all about saving and investing. And up until this point, that's not the market we've been focused on. Um, now, obviously, you could say with, with Bitcoin, that is obviously on the investment side. Uh, that really would have been the first time we had any sort of kind of product offering where we we're attracting members that were literally looking to invest. Up until then, it was mostly around um, controlling spending. Um, obviously, we have on the lending side, et cetera. So I would say that is the big piece. And quite frankly, that's the piece that we're most excited about, that this is a you know, a value prop that we have yet to have to not only offer to our existing members, but obviously attract a, a member base that we haven't attracted before. Uh, generally, I'd say, too, obviously this Roundup feature, one of the great things about it is it really is a, a perfect, um, you know, gateway for someone to begin even, you know, saving and investing, right? So I'd say typically the customer that's signing up for a MoCo-type solution is one that is, um, having difficulties saving investing. Just saw a recent survey today saying that the, num the number one goal of uh, millennials and Gen Z is to actually increase their savings. And most of them are looking for, well, how am I going to do that, right? Um, starting to see a lot of kind of traction in, in those types of apps that, that are actually 
almost making it something that happens in the background. And then again, these are typically people, I would say more on the behavioral side, that, um, you know, and again, they could be at all, all ages, right? Um, in fact, if you look at the stats, 35 to 55-year-olds uh, actually are less likely to have a financial plan than, than ages under 35. So I'd say they typically fall into that category of they haven't figured out a financial plan, they're struggling to save money, they're looking for a solution that can just get them on track. Obviously, the fact that the average uh, MOCA user saves over $1,000 annually, um, they start to see it's a significant amount of money. Anybody that then logs in and finds out they've got over 1000 uh, bucks, and when before that they were struggling to save any money, uh, you can imagine how valuable they find that. Um, so anyway, I think that's um, probably the, the, the where we are in terms of understanding who their customers are, what they're looking for, um, and ultimately how the how we can see it, you know, complementing our offering. Comment, did you comment on the uh, on, on the overlap that we saw between our member base and theirs? Uh, no, I didn't. Go yeah. Ahead. So so Suzanne, you know, one of the things that we uh, we saw when we looked at it um, is actually a, a, a pretty low overlap on their member base with our member base. So, um, uh, you know, in the in the low double digit percentage range uh, of the total members. So it does tell you that that value prop on the investing and saving side um, uh, is actually attracting, a, um, in, in a lot of ways, a different sort of demo from a, a financial uh, kind of health perspective. Okay. Great. No, that's, that's actually helpful. Thank you. Um, kind of shifting gears here to the, to the payment side of business, um, you know, you guys touched on, on, Carta's, you know, continued focus on kind of global expansion with moves into Japan and, and the U.S. Can you touch on, you know, kind of what, what's the opportunity ahead on the BDB front with Carta as you look to leverage some of the core mogul assets um, as part of that strategy going forward? Um, yeah, so so look, I think there's a couple of things. Um, first of all, there there is, um, we just think there's significant opportunity with, with Carta's existing business and value prop in the market as a, as a reminder, when we um, decided to acquire Carta, we actually looked at um, for, our, for ourselves when we were moving from one of the legacy processors, um, we talked to, you know, two of the other major next-gen processors, Marketa um, and Galileo. And in fact, we, we felt that Carta's platform, um, you know, had similar functionality uh, but also at a much better value overall uh, value proposition and, and ROI for us. Um, and we think that that's where the market's going. Um, Carta built out their model in Europe where it's, it's, been, it's a lot more competitive, um, and we think that that model is actually um, making its way to the U.S., uh, and so we think um, that's going to be an, a, a big opportunity for Carta to take advantage of that in the U.S., um, and uh, re related to the opportunity to kind of see some synergies from leveraging Mogo's platform to help Carta in their B2B business, uh, obviously you're, you're not talking about the synergies of bringing, you know, leveraging Carta's payment technology and that to help Mogo in their own platform. Um, you know, we're, we're, I would say we're still early days there, but we are increasingly seeing opportunities to do so. Um, whether it's um, we're, we're already seeing some requests from some of Carta's customers because that whole market is moving from a one-off, um, one piece of, uh, of the solution as in terms of, say, just processing 
to a broader full stack. Uh, and we're already seeing some, some inbounds from some of Carta's customers being interested in some of Mogo solutions. So effectively, Carta's in the unique position to say, hey, look, you know, talking to other fintechs outside of Canada, we, we actually know what is working and, and, you know, and we've got inside um, kind of scoop on, on what a great user experience is and how to build out your card program into a broader digital wallet. Um, and, and so we do see a, a, a number of opportunities going forward to sort of leverage Mogo's platform on that front, but, but definitely still, you know, early days there. Um, and, and, and I guess that's why to my, the earlier question on investment and why we do think that this is the opportunity, we quite frankly have a lot of kind of growth initiatives and investment opportunities in both Carta side um, and the Mogo side, both on Mogo's existing products and then, you know, on new products and, and like, like the wealth side. So there's, there's really a lot of, we believe, big growth opportunities out there for us. Good, perfect. Um, that's it for me, guys. Uh, thanks for taking my questions. I'll pass line. Thanks, Susan. No questions at this time. Uh, please continue. Sorry, did you say no questions? Yes, sir. Okay. Um, okay. Well, I think um, just to summarize, obviously it's been a busy year, and um, with everything going on, we're, we're definitely expecting uh, uh, an even busier next few years here. Um, one of the things I want to emphasize is we're still very early in the stages of building this company, you know, and really we're, we're hyper-focused on building one of the most powerful and engaging financial apps around. Um, really excited to update, uh, give updates on how the MOGA transaction is going and um, obviously a lot of new product uh, releases yet to come this year, which we'll keep you updated. Um, other than that, we look forward to updating you on our Q1 results call in, in May. Thanks again. Ladies and gentlemen, this concludes today's conference call. Thank you for participating. You may now disconnect. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.